right. How's everyone doing? Okay? Yes. Good. Okay. Never become like a British church. That is not Uganda. Do not become like me. <laughs> I was just thought I was, Savannah's out, isn't she? So I was, Savannah was next to me just now, and we were praying for the kids, and Beth was trying to say something to me. I think she's saying, like, oh, Savannah's between us. We can pray for it. You're on one side, I'm on the other. Often we sit a bit religi- religiously, dad, mum, Savannah, Reuben. And uh, so we were trying to talk, and then Savannah was like, shh, you're embarrassing me, shh. <laughs> like gripping me. <laughs> it's the British nature. We're worried what people think. Um, so, uh, do pray for our nation. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm super... You know, I said to Beth this morning, I don't know what it is. I've probably had the least amount of time ever to prepare for this. I've been mulling over this for about two weeks. But I didn't actually put pen to paper or, or fingers to laptop until quite late. And I've, our school started last week. I'm the IT director. My workload is, is off the charts. I've probably done about 60 hours work this week. Um, and I'm averaging about four hours sleep a night. So, uh, by God's grace, I'm feeling good. And I, I said, you know, hon, I just feel this might be one of my most favorite preachers I ever preach. <laughs> I'm setting myself up here. There's been quite a few over the years. Uh, Patrick's like, oh, thank goodness. We're going to get a good one at long last. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm going to be talking uh, as we close out the book of Acts um, about plans uh, versus purpose. Um, and this is just a, a topic I'm just so passionate about and I've been mulling over, to be honest, more than two weeks, probably for, for the last five years or so. Um, so let me just, just set the scene for us. If we just go to the next slide, please. Um, as you know, sorry, let's make sure I'm recording. I've, um, I've been so busy, I, didn't, I forgot to bring my, uh, the radio mic for the church today. Um, okay. Which goes to the next slide. Yeah, great. Okay, so book of Acts. We've been doing this book, and, and this is a great book, isn't it? I mean, do you know, one of my favorite mentors I've had, a guy called Simon Holly, um, who invested in my life for about a decade, he once he, he had a group of men, me and some others, and we used to meet him twice a week in the morning at about sort of 5 36 a.m. to pray with him. And uh, he once asked us, you know, uh, what's your favorite book in the Bible? And, you know, being a young guy, you want to impress the pastor. You know, and you think, okay, oh gosh, which one is it? And I, I'm trying to think, what's his favourite one? <laughs> so if I can guess the favourite book he is, he'll be more impressed with me, you know, all identity issues. And I think at the time, I, I was really enjoying Ephesians. I said, Ephesians, I, you know, I love Ephesians, how God talks about love and uh, love for his people. And you know that I'm passionate about our identity. And I always say, if you don't know, God, you woke up this morning, God looked down at you. And you work up with value, you've got to do nothing, whether you came up here and gave a testimony, whether you came up here and did worship, or whether you just came in late like me today. <laughs> uh, God loves you just the same. There's no, there's no works for God to be more impressed with you. Right now, he values you. You are very special in his sight. And never forget that, because everything will be against you. you know, and you will always, if I do well at work during the day, I get home, I feel pleased with myself. If I have a bad day at work, I get home, I feel bad about myself. And I have to untangle that in my quiet time with God. And God says, that is not who you are, Rory. Monica, that is not who you are. How many fish you sell this week? It's not how valuable you are this week. Um, you should try and open one of the mouths and see if there's a coin in one one day. I'd love to see that, that miracle again, Monica. Um, anyway, so I'm saying all that because Simon then went, well, my favourite book is the book of Acts. I was like, dang it. 
I knew it. Why not the axe? Of course. He's passionate about church planting. He's passionate about church growth. He's passionate about miracles. Um, why did I not think Acts? Ever since then, when people say, Rory, what's your favourite Bible? I say, the book of Acts. <laughs> and I genuinely mean that. And I don't mean it, because Simon will never listen to this talk, unless I send it to him, which I probably won't. Um, so I'm not trying to impress Simon, but the book of Acts is a remarkable book of the Bible. Yeah? Every word is remarkable. But here, you just see church in all its glory and in all its brokenness. Don't you? And, 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 and these broken people, God using so powerfully and transforming the known world, the entire known world at the time. And uh, it's, it's, we, we could spend the rest of our lives studying this book and we still would not have got to the bottom of it. There is such richness in this book. I'm not saying to you, every time you have a Bible, oh, Rory's now said the book of Acts. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in the book of Acts. Forget Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Revelation, the rest of it. I'm not saying that, okay? They're all very important. But I think uh, it's just an exciting, challenging book. And if we could just do part of what we have read over these last few months in this book, then that is good enough. That's amazing. And we're hearing already, I love the testimony this morning, that God financially just just covering uh, the shortfall. He does that. Does he do it every time? No, we can't promise that. God might prompt you this week to do something. I remember years ago, I was selling an a, a old Volvo car, and it took about, um, about, at the time, about 100, no, I'm exaggerating, about $85, which at that time was very expensive to fill the car. It now costs about $150 to fill cars in England. And I was selling it. And when you sell a car, what you tend to do, if you're not very good, is you empty the tank. You keep driving, and you give it, I give it to Monica, here's the car keys, Monica. And uh, I leave her about $5 worth of fuel. Because why should I pay for her next fuel trip? I've started, she's bought the car. She's already haggled me down to a very low price. And uh, this happened to me when I started. And as I was at petrol station all those years ago in England, God said to me, I want you to fill that tank. I was like, I don't want it. I want you to fill it, Rory. Do you know how much that is? I want you to fill it. Now, we're struggling to get food on the table. I don't care. I want you to fill the tank. You've got to be kidding me. Okay, anyway, long story short, I lost the battle. I filled the tank. And gave the car to this guy the next day. And did he say thank you? I was driving out thinking, he's going to see it's a full tank, he's going to turn the engine. I was like, oh my gosh, you're such a great Englishman and uh, you're so generous, you're such a great Christian. Uh, you didn't need to fill it. Thank you for giving me an extra hundred pounds after I've haggled you down. No, he didn't, none of that. I did drive away quite bitter and I worked that out with God um, <laughs> because he didn't thank me. But you've got to be faithful. So we're not saying every time that God's going to come through for you, necessarily. Okay, and now as we read Acts and we see what happens with Paul as he ends up in Rome, okay, at the end of his two years there, he is, we believe, from our, our, not only the Bible, but other history books, he's released. I don't know if you know that, but he's actually released. He's not martyred at that particular time. Later on, having gone possibly to Spain, an old ancient uh, Roman historian wrote about him possibly being in Spain, he does end up back in Rome again. And he is then martyred, and he dies. Do I make sense of it all? I don't know. I don't know why some are martyred and others are set free. And even in China and other places in the world, I don't know why now, you know, this week, certain Christians have died and others have had miraculous escapes. Okay? I don't know why you gave faithfully to your friends, hoping that in return, maybe financially God would come through for you, and maybe he didn't this week. And the way that you thought he should, all I can say to you, humbly, is after 25 years of walking with God, 
He is a faithful father. And he has a long-term plan for your life. He doesn't do short little exchanges. He, doesn't, he cares about the day, but really cares about your destiny, your purpose, and your long-term future. Trust him. And again, I can't promise that you'll see everything before the day you die. There might be some unknown things. You're like, God, I still do not understand. But I can promise you this. When you stand before heaven one day, it will all make sense. You'll say, God, I get it. I get it now. I Jove, as we say in England. I get it. <laughs> okay. Right. That wasn't even part of what I was going to try and say. But anyway, right. Uh, let's get going. So, um, I will share the slide on the website. I've, I've been so hectic. We've got talks loaded up to about three weeks ago. They're all going to be loaded um, this week. I've, I've put some time aside. I'll send you an email if you're on the email system. If you're not on the email system, get me after church. I'll get your email. Okay. And or you can always go to on our church website. And you'll have all the talks through Acts that we've covered. There's some great talks. Um, Monica's last week was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I love the side You might not be able to see it all that very clearly, okay? But it's just a brilliant overview of the Okay, so um, obviously the left of the timeline, maybe 
rather than always living in the past, always in the future. All right. From after that shipwreck and the rest of it, uh, basically, long story short, he arrives in Rome. And, and what's so amazing about this is he gets two years in Rome and, and quite luxury. We, talk, we heard Jimmy talking about being put up in a hotel. Well, I think had quite a nice little setup in Rome. I, I, I presume it was the Airbnb. He probably booked ahead of time uh, and uh, looked at the reviews. And there he was, all happy and glad. And, uh, and uh, he preached the gospel. And it says, unhint- I love this. If you, if, you, if you look at chapter 28 um, and go right down. I, that's why I brought my reading glasses. Okay. Um, verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So here he is at the source of the, of the, of the known world, the source of power. Um, at the known time, of, of the biggest empire in the history of the world at the time. Um, I don't know if you studied that, that, that period. I, I used to study classics and the rest, thing, English, boarding school, imagine they have to learn Latin and, and this sort of period. It's an incredible empire. It's brutal, but it's quite remarkable for its time. And um, for, him to, for God to position him in Rome for two years, unhindered, preaching the kingdom of God is why, one of, the main, one of the big reasons why Christianity exploded across the known world at an acceleration which is just breathtaking in its magnitude and its breath. He's a big God, and God will do it again. Amen? He will do it in Africa. I'm tired of looking at the corners of Africa and looking at Islam coming down from the north, from the old Arabian um, uh, trade routes and slave routes in the east, and I, I get tired of looking at mosques. I've got, I, I love Muslims. I've got great Muslim friends. Okay? But I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And my heart breaks when my Muslim friends are there five times a day trying to earn the love of God, not knowing if they're going to even make it to heaven. Slogging their guts out. And I'm like, it's by grace we stand. It's by grace that we're here today. It's by grace you sit here right now. It's by grace you're married. It's by grace that you are loved. And it's by grace we're in this fellowship. And it's by grace that one day you'll be in heaven. Amen. 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 Okay. Whew, that wasn't even part of what I was going to try and say. Anyway, right. Let's get focused on God. Obviously, wanted to share that. So, um, I'm just setting that sort of end scene of Acts, okay? Because on a Sunday, on a preach, when we've got sort of three chapters here, there's no way I can unpack this in depth um, and well for you. So, please, please, please do go back, read this. In fact, go back to chapter one. Read the whole book in one. Just set aside. It only takes about an hour, an hour and a half. Read the whole book of Acts in one go. And as you go into it, remember, it's the Word of God and it's the Holy Spirit at the same time, okay? If you just try and read this without asking the Holy Spirit to guide you, it will be quite dry at times, okay? But God will speak to you individually because you are unique and He's speaking to each of you individually. Even right now, let's preach. The end is preach. You all walk out having different things. Oh, wow. I loved it when we talked about the unhindrance of God. I love the kingdom of God. That's so good. Oh gosh, I, I get so tired of always, always talking about identity. Why doesn't he move on about that? I know I'm loved by God. There's time to talk about other stuff. Okay, right. Uh, okay, so I'm going to pause there in regards to just setting the scene for Acts, okay? And let's um, jump on to the next slide. If possible, please. All right. Okay. I want to talk about finding a place 
and finding your destiny. Uh, If you look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the NIV and the New King James, it says this in the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And the King James says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now, what I want to say here, okay, is if you actually look, uh, if you do a strong study, sometimes if you take one particular word in the Bible and really unpack what that word means, all right? If you look at the word plans, some writers would say that God here is saying purpose, okay? So plans, okay, can also mean the word purpose. Now, why is that so important? I think that's important to say because I believe God doesn't have a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And it's very subtle and it's very different. And you'll start to see as we unpack this. Okay? And ultimately, go to the next slide. What I'm trying to say is that God has probably around 500 different plans to get you to, to your purpose. And what we often do, so often, is when we have to make a decision, an important decision, like, shall I go to my own what am I going to do next? Where should I study? Where should I live? Who should I marry? Okay? I would, I would summarize it as a metaphor, almost like three doors. Door number one, okay, is if I go through that door, that's the devil's plan for my life. I'm going to go very wrong. Okay? If I go through door number two, that's my plan, but it might not be God's plan. Okay? And if I go through door number three, okay, that's God's plan for my life. And we get so stuck on this, don't we? I, 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 I teach at the International School, and a lot of times I've seen from this morning, I've had a very cute kid this week. I said to him I wanted to eat him because he was so cute. And I could have spent my whole day just talking to him because he was adorable. Um, through to my children, are like this, gangly, long teenagers who are hairy and don't shower too often. Uh, not all of them. Uh, and I hope they never hear this talk. I'll <laughs> have a go at me. Okay, so we've got these arranged things, but the kids sort of like 16, 17, 18, and in fact even 15, have to start making decisions for their lives. What are you going to study? Okay. And the thing is, sometimes in the UK it's even worse. They have, if they don't get it right at the age of 15, e.g., if they want to be an engineer and they don't choose to do physics as an A-level or as a diploma or the International Baccalaureate, then they can't go to university and study engineering in the United States of America or the United Kingdom. So at 15, these poor kids have to think, what do I want to do in my life? And that's a lot of pressure on them. And for Christians, you know, often it's, I see Christians at all ages, and myself included in this, it's like, oh God, I don't know, God, what, is, is it door one? Is it door two? Is it door three? If I get it wrong, then, then, then what's going what's, what's to happen? I'm going to waste my life, and it's all, let's give it, you know, I'm going to suffer as a result. Can you stop worrying? I'm speaking to myself just as much as you. Stop worrying about the next step. Don't you think the God of uh, all heavens, about, above every principality, hasn't worked it all out? Don't you think, even if you do make a wrong choice, and you play in, like in cards, like a, a number three instead of an ace, that you can turn that into an ace? Yeah? Isn't, isn't he uh, the, the, the creative, almighty, omnipresent king of kings? Yeah? Stop worrying 
the doors. Okay? And trust that he has an overall purpose okay, for your life. Just turn to the next slide, please. Okay? So I want you to remember this. God doesn't have a plan for your life. I thought tightening this, but it's a bit scary for some people. So we'll do click one more time. Just click one more time. He has a purpose for your life. And it's so much better than just having a plan. Right. Let's jump on. I was trying to think of another way of articulating this. I was listening to, to a great talk on a, on a similar topic. We go to the next slide. Okay. It's almost like um, God doesn't always give us a map for life, does he? Sometimes he does, but not always. I think rather, next slide, he gives us a compass. Okay. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that okay, is that he just gives you the direction that he wants you to go. And you need to trust him in that. And I'd say, as I said before, make sure you just walk into the presence of God. Like Moses said, I'm not going to go forward without the presence of God. Amen. Okay? I will not go forward without the presence of God. Okay? Unless I know the presence of God. Now, at the same time, don't get stuck there. Okay? Sometimes, it's when we, when we left Zimbabwe, four, six, six years ago? Six years ago, to be honest, I wasn't hearing much from God. And I'll be very honest with you, I think it's one of those times where we went through one of those three doors. I don't think it was actually quite what he wanted us to do next. In hindsight. Yeah. There was another door he wanted us to go through. But he is God. And he used it so powerfully. And he did actually greater things than probably possibly if we had gone through the door. Okay? So he used our, our, our next two years in Ukraine, where to be honest, life became very difficult. My wife had a breakdown pretty much. Um, my school was tough. Ukraine was at war already. The war didn't start six months ago. The war has been going on for years in Ukraine, if you, if you study it. And I remember many mornings being 19 floors up in the middle of Kiev, Ukraine, as the sun was rising in floods of tears. What? What have I done? Got my composure. <laughs> Do it again. He, he did. There's so many stories I could share with you. Um, Beth had, had some really important medical things that came up. Probably saved her life. Would never have been found in Zimbabwe. She went under surgery um, in Eastern Europe. If we'd been in England, as good as it, something that doesn't sound good at the moment, but as good as it normally is, the NHS is free. She would have been waiting for two years and might have died. God had a purpose for our lives. Maybe he would have done it a different way if we stayed in Zimbabwe. Maybe we would have been flown out to South Africa. And her life would have been saved that way. I trust him. Okay, if you go next slide. This is good, I'm getting emotional. I'm English, I'm getting emotional. It's good for it. <laughs> um, imagine Abraham. Okay. What a faithful man of God. Gosh. Just an incredible, incredible man of God. And you can read that in the Old Testament, but Jesus also refers to it. It's referred to in the letters. This is a man of faith. Okay. And if you could have spoken to him, I wonder what he would have said to you as he came out from there and God told him to go forward in a direction. Okay? Um, he, I imagine, would have said, I don't quite know where I'm going, Roy. Um, in fact, I don't know where I was yesterday. I don't know quite where I've come from. 
But I do know that God has a purpose for my life. And he might have said to God, what, what do I do today? And God would say, just keep going, keep going, keep following that, that direction. I will tell you when to stop. So for you right now, it might just be, God's just saying, just keep going, trust me. Don't you trust me? Okay? You can be trusted. All right? Okay, let's move on. And I think another point, we're so fixated on the, destin- the destination, where we're trying to get to, okay, that sometimes we lose sight of actually embracing the journey that we're on. Yeah? So for me, I've just been a bit humorous for a little bit. Um, I was very caught up about trying to find the right wife to marry. I don't know about you, but it became quite a big thing for me. I think because a number of my friends started getting married, my Christian friends. And... I've made some poor choices over the years, um, and I've shared before, one time, in fact, I was in such a wrong relationship that God, verbally, the only time I've ever heard God's voice out loud, told me to break up with my girlfriend at the time, because he had a purpose in my life, to marry Beth, and I was trying to go the wrong way. <laughs> um, but I was so caught up that, in hindsight, I didn't really embrace the season that I was in. And who I was. I missed out. I was so looking, well, when am I going to get married? And, 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 and then you pick a marriage. And, and that takes, and then trying to understand a woman. That's tough. Sorry, ladies. Uh, and Beth trying to understand me. It's very complicated. You're very sophisticated. I, I, my metaphor is like, you know, think of the most remarkable sailing boat you've ever seen in your life. You're all agreeing. And when you get it all right, oh my gosh. You're just like, this is amazing. Marriage is amazing. Okay? But being a man, I put on the wrong string and it all falls apart. And, and uh, my wife's like, what the heck are you thinking and what the heck are you doing right now? Um, with whoa, whatever's going on. You know, and I, and I'm like, I'm trying to understand you still, honey. Been married almost 20 years, but there we go. Um, <laughs> but th- my point is, if you are in a position right now where you want to be married, I just want to say, don't miss the journey you're on right now. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to go together and just do what I want to do. Okay? I'd love to get my favourite book out. I'd love to watch my favourite action war movie. I'd love to uh, cook baked beans. I'd love to leave my clothes on the floor. All these various things I'm not allowed to do anymore. Uh, that's not unfair to Beth. <laughs> she, 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 she lets me do an awful lot of things. But point being, there's a, each season of life is a great wonder. Each season of life is a gift and a joy. Enjoy the seasons that you're in. You might say, well, it's fine for you, you're married. Okay? I'm the same age, I'm, I'm 35. And I'm not married. What about me? Okay? And I just say, trust God. Okay? I, I don't know what God's up to. I can only give you testimonies to encourage you. And I, I, I've said probably a while ago, I've got two brothers, um, Rex and Greg. And my, my, I'm the youngest, which is why I'm spoiled and opinionated and self righteous and cheeky. Um, but um, my, my little brother Greg didn't get married until I think he was in his mid late thirties. It was late. It was quite. And I honestly thought he'd never get married. Um, to be honest, and I, I remember praying often for him to find. He, he wasn't even looking, to be honest. Um, but one day, courtesy of my other brother, <laughs> he bumped into the most wonderful lady, and she was just like perfect, perfect match. And he waited faithfully. For, for years, and never resented God, and just followed what God was calling him to do, and just such a good challenge and testament to me. Okay.
Okay, so I'm probably laboring the point. Uh, I'm not just talking about being single and getting married. Uh, bigger than that, much bigger than that. Okay? Um, I want to say this again God enjoys the journey as much as He enjoys the destiny. Even when you get to your destiny, you are still on a journey. Okay? Um, let's jump to the next one. Proverbs 4 18 says this The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Isn't that a great proverb? Okay. So the journey God has you on is an internal journey in which you are growing and the kingdom of God is growing within you. It's not where you go, but it is what is taking place while you are on the journey that God is concerned about. Let me say it again. It's not where you go, but what is taking place while you are on the journey that God is concerned about. Okay? Um, and... I was doing some study on this. You know, do you realise that the average person these days has about 12 jobs through the career in their life? Okay, about 12, about 12 jobs. Um, I'm a bit of an exception to that one because I'm impatient, I'm the youngest, all these various things. I can't even count how many jobs I've had. I think I've had about 18 different jobs. All right. So um, I started out uh, studying IT, information technology and business at the University of Portsmouth in the United Kingdom uh, in 95. During that journey, I started working for IBM part-time with my customer relations team. Then I sponsored for a year with a company called GC Marconi, who's an underwater weapons division. I don't put that on my, li- on my LinkedIn, because <laughs> of weapons and the rest of it. Um, but we used to make torpedoes for, for Europe and for the submarines. And I was working in IT for them. I then finished that, and I won't go into details, but long story short, I was coming back to my faith in a really big way at the time, and um, I wasn't in a great location with many very good friends, and so I decided to be ruthless and go through the door to this town in the air where I worked for World Vision, um, where I became uh, an IT consultant going to 2000. If you remember 2000, everyone was panicked, that aeroplane's falling out of the sky. Hands up remember the whole world, yes, the only two of us are old enough to Everyone else was going under the age of 22, right? Okay. Gosh. We're getting, we're getting old, guys. Right, okay. So, I was, I was there trying to help World Vision um, get ready for that. Uh, to be honest, we didn't really need to do anything. Nothing was going to f- fall out of the sky. But IT people made a lot of money in those days. I was working for a charity, so you can't accuse me. I wasn't making... I volunteered my time for free. And it, thank you. It's all right. It's a pleasure. Uh, I went back to England, and then I worked for uh, another IT company in London by Heathrow. My point, I'm just going to get the point of it. Um, and then after that, oh, wow, I'm forgetting what even happened. There. Oh yes, then I went. Then World Vision UK then headhunted me and asked me to join their organisation. And said, "Could you? We like what you did in Tanzania. Can you come and work for us?" And I became a webmaster. It's such a cool title. Oh, webmaster. That's old-fashioned these days. I was a web, like a web ninja. Okay. Um, and uh, so I was a web ninja. Uh, and then we had a major donor program there where we used to ask rich people for lots of money. Only lost. I need to give us a million pounds a year. And my job. How cool is this? I used to fly these millionaires around the world and show them schools and health projects from um, Laos to Myanmar to Vietnam to, to you know, across Africa. Um, I don't know why I ever left that job, but I, 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 I think the reason was God had a purpose in my life and had something else he called me into. I became a teacher of all things. I know, nuts. Absolutely, my teacher friends were like, yeah, yeah, we're all nuts, aren't we? We're completely crazy. And uh, so I retrained as a teacher. 
And uh, before I knew it, I was there teaching these little kids who didn't know how to go to the toilet and the rest of it. I was like, what am I doing? Uh, it was very, no, I did enjoy it. It was very fun. In fact, I remember, during my journey, I remember my first lesson I ever taught. I did the program where I didn't go to university, but I learned on the job because we were so short of teachers at the time. Um, so I was uh, put in front of this primary school, and I had like 10 year olds in front of me. I put together, uh, and I remember, I'm used to do presentations to adults and to millionaires and all the rest of it. So I put together what I thought was probably, a bit like I'm saying today, one of the greatest presentations in the history of the world. And uh, I had an ex-policewoman who was my mentor who changed to teaching. She was tough as nails. I would never have given her a fight. She would have killed me. And she scared the living daylights out of me. She said afterwards, Rory, how do you think that lesson was right then? I thought it was pretty nice. I think it was pretty one of the best. I didn't say it like that, but I thought it was very good, actually. She said, Rory, that was one of the worst lessons I've ever seen in the history of teaching. <laughs> I was like, oh no, and I've chosen this career. And uh, I mean, of course it was. I hadn't had any training, I was thrown in the She came back to the end of the year and said, Rory, I realised I was actually quite mean to you. Um, it was the first year they started this programme. I was expecting, you know, what we expect from someone being in university and education for three years. Um, and by God's grace, God shaped me into the teacher that I later became. Anyway, then from that moment, God, and I'm not simply showing this, not to say this is, this is a great life lived, I'm just simply trying to show all the changes. So just listen to this journey that's going on and the direction we're going. Okay, so then, um, after doing that training, I get a job uh, in Kempston, United Kingdom, a place called Bedfordshire, and I'm working in a very poor school because there's an NQT, which is a newly qualified teacher, you get the worst schools in the United Kingdom, okay? Once you get more experience, you get the nicest schools. Um, and I remember getting up in the morning, pitch, England's always dark in the winter, so I go to work at eight and it's pitch black, it's nine, it's still pitch black sometimes. And I'm in my long coat, it's raining on my head, and I'm, I remember just like, God, what am I doing here? What on earth? I was flying around the world, flying millionaires, and now here I am, in this poor school, um, doing this. Now, I love my job, you know, it was incredible, and it was a huge privilege. Um, but I do remember worrying about where and the goal, where am I going? And not embracing the journey I'm on. The fact that my, my home was only five minutes away. The fact my parents lived just down the road. The fact that my mother and father-in-law were another... Well, it's good. They're a bit further away. But they love I love them. But, you know, in-laws and out-laws, as we call them. And um, <laughs> it was just this, this, this remarkable season of life. And then from there, it then became um, an opportunity to become the head of the department at school. And then I had an opportunity to then become a project manager for an NGO and then an education consultant. And then, long story short, God was calling us back to Africa. Amen, because it's the best continent in the world, isn't it? Okay, I'd say Zimbabwe's one of the best, but Uganda's one of the best countries. Okay, you're second to Zimbabwe, I'll, I'll give you that day. I think you guys are actually more, I, I can't, I, I hate saying this, and my Zimbabwe family and friends would, will beat me if they see me. I think you're actually uh, a far nicer people than Zimbabweans, okay? And Zimbabweans are quite nice. All right, you guys are, are lovely. You know, my, my nephew was just over this last month and he said, Rory, do you, you know everyone in Uganda? It's like, wherever I went, everyone's so friendly. The petrol attendant, when I'm in the park, talking, everyone's just like, hi, how are you? And it's not Mazunga, but hey, how are you? And we're chatting, we're asking about life. And I was, yesterday I was in Waikiki buying myself some clothes uh, for this new school year. And uh, the guy was chatting to me. He said, oh, can I have your number? Yeah, everyone wants your number, don't they? Uh, can I have your number? Normally I don't give it, to be fair, because I, I get, but he was such a sweet guy. He had the coolest name I've ever come across. So I said, okay, I'll give you my number, it's fine. And uh, I told him that Rory means Roderick, which means Red King. 
So he loved that. Oh, Matt King. So uh, he WhatsApp his first message was, Hi, Red King, how are you? <laughs> um, so we're in Zimbabwe, Ukraine, now here. Now, laboring it overly slightly. Okay. Um, God has this wonderful, um, how can I say it, twilight, golden thread for your life. And no experience or hardship or failure or victory is wasted. It's just a richness. Each of you, I, I, could, I would love, if I had more time in my life, I'd love to, to spend a day with each of you just hearing your story. Okay, what is your story? This is my story. What's your story? Where are you at? Right now. Okay. Um, through the next slide. And just think, you know, we're in Acts, we're finishing Acts. Here's Paul, one of the most remarkable Christians of all time. Okay. And uh, if we go to the next slide again, just jump over. Just, just look at what's happening in his life here. Okay. That you have this guy who's killing Christians. He's probably the most evil person at the time. He's the last person you would ever want to meet on a dark night. He is killing children. He's not doing himself, but he's arresting them, and they're killing many of them. Okay? Um, but God takes this broken man, who, who's religious, and thinks he's doing it for God, and God shows him on the road to Damascus who Jesus Christ is, and what he's up to, and that remarkable transformation. And God uses those experiences, he doesn't waste any of it. Because then, later on, if you see through Acts, He's there and goes straight to the synagogue and he can stand and retort every argument because he is a devout Jew at that previous life. Okay? He knows the Old Testament better than most people he comes across. Yeah? So God uses it very powerfully and he goes on this crazy missionary journey, suddenly, through Acts, just to look at it, you know, Jerusalem, Tarsus, Syria, and then to Antioch, and then there's the first missionary journey, you know, and then the second one, and then the third one. Alright, and then he's, he goes to Jerusalem, he's warned not to, he ignores the prophetic words, I think because he knows God is calling him to do something. He doesn't quite know what's going to happen. I don't think he went to Jerusalem thinking, I'm going to get arrested and I'm going to kill, because it may be so, but I don't think that was his plan. But God uh, enabled that to happen, okay? And he embraces every situation. So, no matter where he is, you can look at any part of Acts and what's happening with Paul, and look at that life. And see, he, he's taking every opportunity to preach about the kingdom of God. To love the individual, to love the one person in front of him. Not to think, oh, no, 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 I'm off to the trial in Athens. I might be executed. I can't concentrate on you today. No, no, he's present in the moment. And here's my challenge to many of you and to me. You know, be present for your friends in front of you. Be present for your husband. Be present for your wife. Be present for your kids. Be present for your parents. Don't just think, well, I'm doing this, and then, oh, later I've got a much better thing I'm going to be doing. All right? So right now, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm not present. You've been preaching long enough. I'm having a nice lunch afterwards. That's where my mind is. <laughs> that's just a type of mind, if that's what you're thinking. It doesn't bother me. But, you know, I think, watch out. I'm an IT director. I'll give you a top tip. Watch out for this thing. It's the greatest invention in the history of man, I think, sometimes. It's the worst invention ever. It's a curse to us. Yeah? You go out to any restaurant or anywhere. Watch all the, I was, even just the week. I was like, this family from, I was going to say which church. I won't say which church. Came out of a church. I was at quality. There they all were. Even the young two-year-old on an iPad. They were not engaging in any conversation for the entire time I was there watching them. I mean, I try to not be too subtle, but it always fascinates me. Okay. Does my family do that sometimes? Yes, we do. Okay. What are you going to do? No, I'm teasing about We do it as well. 
Now, sometimes there's a place for it, you know. So for us, sometimes we use it because we're so stressed and so exhausted, we just got to survive that particular moment for our family. So we're going to kill each other, okay? Um, but be present. So if you are out with someone, if the phone rings, don't answer it, unless it's in the 70 or someone, okay? Try not to even look. No one's, the world survived without these 20 years ago. I survived, okay, you might think, well, Rory, you're, you're a little bit messed up, but I survived before this, this, this phone, okay? Um, and my greatest regret as a parent is this, because I've been robbed of hours and hours of time to be present in the day with my kids as they live their life towards their purposes, okay? So be very careful, okay? So my, my, my tip, a few top tips since I'm in IT mode, have it on, um, uh, on ringer off. Have it on, turn it off when you're with a friend. Don't sit down and put it on the desk. If you put it here in front of you when you're having a meal or meeting a friend or talking to anyone, what you're saying is this. Monica, I'm picking you because you're front row and centre. Monica, I like you and I respect you, but if anyone calls, they're more important than you. And I'm going to talk to them and you can wait for me. Does that make sense? It's, it's a, I know I'm being quite... It's true, I'm guilty of it. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm challenging you, I'm challenging you, because this is uh, wonderful and a curse. So don't have it ever on the table. In my meetings with my team, I never let them have their phones on the table. And if they ring and take a call, I come on down and like a ton of bricks off, because unless they start ahead of school or the seven, okay, then they can take their call. All right? Um, so make sure that be present in the, the next slide. How are you plan? I'm present today. Here I am preaching the kingdom, loving people, investing, discipling, encouraging, running away from the mob, <laughs> jumping out of windows, raising the dead. Just a normal, average Christian life. Okay? But God has a purpose. Okay? And Paul at times, I imagine, heard God correctly and at times heard him wrongly. But ultimately, God was taking him to Rome. God knew that. And God orchestrated it. God is taking me to your Rome. Okay? Don't worry if right now you're heading south, east, away from Rome. Okay? When I headed to Ukraine, I thought I'm going the wrong direction. Africa's that way. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm half African. I love Africa, God. I feel called to Africa for this season, for this moment in my life. No, Rory. You're in Ukraine. Be present. Okay? Right. Next slide. Is everyone Okay. Yeah, not to. Good, thank you. At least Patrick is. Okay. Don't panic. Okay? If you go through the normal law, okay? Think of the GPS system. You're all really routine. Really routine. Well, it doesn't. You know, NTN and Airtel fails. You're really routine day. Dang it, I'm literally compiled. I don't know where I am. Um, God, do you not think you can reroute? If, if Google can reroute your map, do you not think God can reroute your life? Yeah? Come on! All right. Okay, next one. We're almost there. Please, I, I feel sorry. I'm not looking. I feel sorry for you after everything I said. Put it on quiet. Everyone's like, disable the face. <laughs> oh, it's in 70. You can take it. Okay. Um, don't judge anyone. 
a child might be sick, the phone might be down. We don't know, so don't, I, I'm not judging anyone for that. I've had that many times in meetings and churches. Right, okay, that was the, I've done the snake, sorry, but there's the snake, there you go. That's exactly how it happened. There was, uh, there was an artist right there, and Paul got bitten by the snake. That's what a Western zombie mindset makes it look like, okay? Um, there's Paul with the snake on the end of his finger, just after the shipwreck in the background. Can we jump on? Okay, and we're coming to land. Right. Next slide. So, um, you might say, don't worry, that's good, thank you. I've got lots to think about. Um, just give me resources. There's a great book by a guy called Rick Warren that became a bestseller years ago. Um, and uh, what on earth am I here for? The Purpose Driven Life. Is it hands up if you've heard of that book? Yeah, a couple of you. Okay. It's really good. There's some really good stuff in there. Um, there's some things it doesn't include. So, if you just think, you know, that resonates with me today, I really encourage you. Um, to, to, to read that. Um, but really, my main point, let's jump to the next slide. Next one, yeah. Okay. Let's say it together. God doesn't have. One, two, three. God doesn't have. No, stop. That's terrible. That's English. Let's try it again. I'm not going to do it because I'll get the wrong speed for you. Okay, we'll just, just shout it out. Monica, you lead it on. Okay, ready? One, two, three. No, 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 no. Come on, guys, come on, you Ugandan! Something so British. Right? Don't care what people think. I want you to remember this. Let's shout it out. One, two, three. Okay, not bad, not bad, not bad. I'll forgive you, not bad. Okay. <laughs> so God doesn't have a plan for your life. He has a purpose. Stop worrying about where you are right now. Be present. Enjoy the journey. Okay. And I look forward to seeing where we all end up. God bless. Have a great week. Peace.